Hey guys, welcome to the One Delightful Podcast. Where we believe life should be simple. But awesome. I'm Katie. And I'm Philip. And we invite you to join us on a journey as we try to start a new business and grow our family. While trying to clear through the clutter of life to create space for what really matters. And trust us, if we can do it, anyone can do it. On today's show, we're going to check in with What's the Word? We're going to talk about 10 takeaways from 10 years of marriage. And in honor of our marriage, we're going to play a game called Marriage, NBD or OMG. Oh, M goodness. And then we're going to wrap up with what do you recommend? Today's podcast is sponsored by One Delightful Shop, which is launching our fall line today. Today? So if you are listening to this around the time that this podcast is airing, we have some awesome new pieces up for you guys. And if you are listening and say, I don't know, the year 2022, just know that the fall line of One Delightful <laughs> Shop that launched in fall of 2018 was amazing. <laughs> yeah, so head to OneDelightfulShop.com if you want to shop our new fall collection. Hey, Philip. Hey, Katie. So tell me this. What's the word this week? My word for this week is camp. Okay, camp. So about four years ago in my job with Young Life, we had the crazy idea that it would be um, good for us to start taking kids with special needs to this awesome summer camp for them that's 13 hours away in Virginia. Sounds ambitious. It was ambitious. So <laughs> after a plane ride and a van ride, uh, I got to spend the last week with eight of our friends with special needs at this awesome camp in Virginia. And it was an incredible experience. Very tiring, but incredible. Yeah. Um, so we both have a real heart for people with special needs and just love to get to be around them and serve them. Um, cause I feel like they experience life in a more rich and real way than we do a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, and this camp that we take them to is just incredible. We get to take these kids horseback riding. There's a quarter mile zip line that they ride down into a lake there's a big pool, there's water slides, there's awesome food, there's lots of dance parties, and it just, it's an incredible experience that I was really fortunate to get to be on. Awesome. And just to put one little plug in, I would say that if you or your family doesn't have a place where they're regularly trying to serve your community, try to find a church or an organization like Young Life that serves people with special needs and try to give a couple hours a month um, to invest in that community. Um, and man, I guarantee it'll be an incredible blessing for your family. Yeah, we we usually bring our kids to the weekly thing, and it's pretty fun for our kids. Because I feel like Judah ha like has a lot of similar interests. And so it's like he kind of forgets that a lot of these kids, they're older than him, but he also can connect with them on like things like SpongeBob SquarePants... But I feel like it's something where our kids are going to be better having grown mm -hmm. up in that environment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Katie, what's your word this week? So because inspired by your trip, my word is survival. Oh, survival. It sounds like a reality TV show. Or survivor. <laughs> and then I'd start singing. I'm a survivor. I'm 
right? Is that how that song goes? Um, yeah, I was thinking more Survivor, the band that did Eye of the Tiger. Oh, that's good too. Rising so, up. Okay. <laughs> back on the street. Oh, geez. Okay, so while Philip was gone at camp, I was in survival mode here with the kids. Um, I'm just like a mix of a work at home, stay at home mom mix. So when I have to play almost the full stay at home single mom game, I don't feel like I strive. It's not your I it's don't not your thrive. happy place. It's not my happy place. And you fill up, you fill up, you help me a lot around the house by I can't even tell you guys how many things he does around the house. He makes oh. the coffee, usually makes me breakfast. Fluff your pillow. <laughs> That's not true, but makes dinner. Um, I'm not a morning person, so he usually gets up with the kids. The list goes on. And so as you can imagine, while Philip's away, I am trying to figure out how to do all these things that I don't normally do. And then the kids also realize mom's tired, so we can try to like push her buttons and push the limits to see if we can get things that we want by whining. Yeah, and so home turns into a little bit of Guantanamo Bay, right? Where <laughs> yeah. you're the prisoner. Yes. And they're the guards trying to get information out of you. Yeah, and I feel like I always think this when you go out of town. I miss like just talking to adults, like because you're with your kids so much more that you don't just have like an adult to talk to and you're like, you start to feel like a crazy person. Mm, Yeah. You know, Stockholm syndrome. Yes. So my word survivor. So today we're going to be talking about 10 takeaways that we have from 10 years of marriage. 10 years of marriage? Which kind of feels like a long time, but then also feels like a blink of the eye. Yeah. Some people would call 10 years a decade. Yeah. I wonder what the wedding gift, the anniversary is for 10 years. It's probably like some sort of silver paper. I always thought it was cool when people like stuck to those, you know, and got creative. But then I feel like three years in we hadn't done it yet and then it was like oh I don't want paper this year but you know you could get really like cool creative with it yeah anyways we haven't done it yet so we're probably not gonna do it probably not okay so let's just keep giving each other handshakes (laughs) this year we're celebrating 10 years of marriage which isn't you know an eternity there's lots of people that are married a been married a really long time like a really long time like 12 to 15 years yeah but i feel like we feel like we're not experts but we at least have a little bit of mileage under our belts that it'd be fun to kind of reflect on some things that have helped us yeah that sounds great so we're doing 10 takeaways from 10 years of marriage um so you ready i'm so ready here's takeaway number one be a student of your spouse. So what we were thinking with that is really learning about who the person you're married is, not just in like a shallow way of, oh, they like Tamagotchis. They have a size nine shoe. (laughs) Although knowing that stuff is important. Yeah, that's good. But one tool specifically with this that's been super helpful for us is a tool called the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned it before because honestly, it's one of those things that's so helpful 
to us and understanding other people that it just comes up a lot. The Enneagram is a personality typing system. So it's not quite like a Myers-Briggs where you just take a test and you're some set of letters, which, you know, that was relatively helpful. We did mm-hmm. do that in our marriage counseling I'm before we got married. I'm the same Myers-Briggs as FDR <laughs> and I think Mother Teresa. Oh, geez. Maybe okay. even Martin Luther King Jr. So the Enneagram, it is really one of those things that's super helpful as far as understanding maybe why your spouse is acting the way they are. And mm-hmm. for us, I think this past winter when we figured out that A, Philip's a five most likely, and I'm a six, it just helped us, I think, to understand ourselves and understand certain patterns, you know, because I think life is about being able to predict you know, you want to be able to understand things and predict so you know how to react. And the Enneagram is a great tool for just understanding. And sort of connected to this, I think that takeaway number two for us would be that communication is super important. Yes. I think that for both of us, at times we've had difficulty feeling like we should or need to communicate like our needs or our wants or expectations about stuff to each other. And almost inevitably, it doesn't turn out very well because what we've both discovered is that we can't read each other's minds. And there's a lot of times where we have to tell each other, hey, I need you to do this or I really want this or my expectation would be this for our marriage to be successful. So one tangible way that we found that helps to communicate with us is gift stuff. So I would say I'm a pretty good gift giver and it's probably one of my love languages. Sidebar, that's another great like kind of marriage thing to look into the five love languages. We can put a link to that. It's a little bit outdated, right? I mean, I don't know if it's outdated, but it's not like a hot topic as much. Yeah, if you're in like hipster, hipster, hipster relationship bookstores, yeah, and you somebody might not needs see to update there. that. Yeah. Okay, so I, but I really do like gift giving and kind of figuring out what you want. Like, I like to kind of anticipate what would Philip want that he doesn't even know he wants. And even as we're sitting here right now, what is it? It's August and yeah. Christmas is in December. And I'm already sweating a little bit thinking about, oh man, another gift giving season is coming. And I am dreading the thought of having to figure out what to give. Yeah. So Philip has a lot of gifts, but Guessing what I want as a gift is not his gift. Definitely not. So one way that we found a curb that is making a wish list on Amazon or a Pinterest board of things that I'm hoping for. And I think at one point you just put this as a bookmark on your computer. I still have it as a bookmark on my computer. After a lot of failed birthdays and Christmases, I now just have Katie knows if she wants something, she puts it on a Pinterest board. And while it might take a little bit of the romance out of it, it does make sure that she gets something that's like in the ballpark of what she wants for holidays or birthdays. Yeah. And that one year you knocked it out of the park with the 12 days of Christmas gifts. I mean, and it took like a year off my life. Right. Sweating the details. Of how to make that Especially happen. Especially carrying that pellet stove. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so our next one is to learn each other's strengths and lean into them. Yeah, what do you mean by that? So I think we have found that we both have certain strengths and certain weaknesses. And instead of 
hoping to change or hoping to improve in those like drastically instead choosing to like celebrate each other's strengths yeah and try to compensate for each other's weaknesses right so like for me i don't do mornings very well and we found you do do mornings really well Mm -hmm. and so philip gets up and makes the coffee because he likes mornings you're like an early bird and I sleep in a little bit and that makes me less grouchy. Yeah. I read one time that when you have a strength, that that's something that like, say that you are really good at keeping stuff organized and you really like to do it. Um, and maybe you give yourself like a letter grade of like a B of keeping stuff organized. If you really lean into that strength, that B could become an A plus and just be awesome. But say you're like terrible at keeping stuff clean Mm -hmm. um, and you'd give yourself a like D at that um, because it's not something you're very good at and it's not something you like. If you tried really hard, you might be able to get it up to a C minus, but probably not a lot more than that. So it makes a lot more sense to lean into your strengths and make them stronger and to just sort of not be okay with necessarily. They can't be too much of a liability. But just know that like some people are strong in some things and some people aren't as strong. Um, and so there's a lot of times when you could be frustrated with me or I could be frustrated with you about something we're just not that great at. And I think that we've learned to try at least to celebrate each other's strengths um, and not hold it too much against each other when there's some stuff that we're just not that strong at. Okay, those are our first three takeaways. And number four, I feel like this was huge once we started to realize this. We are a product of our parents. Yes. As much as that makes you cringe a little bit sometimes, we're a product of our parents. And I think that our upbringing explains a lot about how we think we should live our lives. Yeah, I had heard a talk about um, parenting and marriage and how the way you, you bring in like on any given issue, you bring in kind of the perspective of your upbringing and then your spouse brings the perspective of their upbringing and a marriage is all about like figuring out where do we meet in the middle with this. And that could be with like the way you parent, the way you think of money, the way you want to decorate your house. And I think a big piece of that for us was coming to an understanding that it's not necessarily a right or a wrong, like how I was raised was right or how you were raised was wrong, but just understanding that different people do good stuff in different ways. Right. I think also a very, a much smaller example um, where this came up, maybe one of the first times was the first time we stayed in a hotel. Mm -hmm. We were driving somewhere and we needed to get a hotel room for the night. And so my thought was, oh, a hotel. It's just the place that you're going to stay overnight. So Motel 6 is like 39 bucks. That's still a little bit too pricey, but I guess Motel 6 will be fine. And I'm like, I only stay in Hampton Inn or something nicer than that. And Not to be a total diva, but that is something I'm a little bit a diva about. So basically, I would say you've more come to my side with that. But I also don't have the expectation that we stay in hotels super frequently. So it's like I kind of got my way by saying, okay, if we're going to stay in a place, it needs to be someplace decent. And you've come to, you know, appreciate a little bit nicer of a hotel. Yeah, that's right. I think from my upbringing, spending money on anything was sort of bad. Yeah. 
And I think I've learned to appreciate, oh, it's like okay to spend a little bit more money to have something a little bit nicer. But then I feel like I had to change my expectation of, okay, well then if we're going to take a trip that's 12 hours, say we're driving to Virginia, we're either going to stay with a friend or we're probably not going to stay in a hotel every every time. You know, every once in a while we'll stay in a hotel. So our takeaway number five is you've got to prioritize each other in your schedules. And what we mean by that is a topic that we've been talking about recently that we're going to keep talking about is prioritizing your priorities. But the same thing is true in marriage. You may say that you like prioritize each other and prioritize time together, but it needs to show up in your schedule. Yeah, absolutely. It's really easy for life to get in the way, um, whether it's with work or especially once you have kids. Mm -hmm. And it becomes super important to make sure in your calendar you've got a date night or just consistent time that you're going to be together, just the two of you. All right, takeaway number six it's important to have friends. Yeah. So I think this one was one that came to my mind and we, I had to convince you that it was a good one, but we, we both agree that it's a good one. Oh yeah, definitely. So what we were thinking with that is when you're in high school and when you're in college, friendships just happen more naturally because you're in a common like communal space so frequently you might be living in a dorm you are going you're seeing the same people in classes and you're all in a transition phase where you're looking to make new connections and most people aren't married most people don't have like the responsibility of kids so it's easier for friendship to be a priority but then post-college I think is one of the hardest times to navigate friendship and I think It's both post-college, but then in adulthood too, just because we live pretty isolated lives. Like a lot of times I haven't even known our neighbors well that we've lived near. And so it's hard to know, is somebody lonely? Like, what are they doing with their time? And so building friendships as an adult takes risk, I think. And I think that there's a perception thing too, where you might feel like, oh man, I feel isolated, a little bit alone, like I don't have a ton of friends. But you assume because everyone's pretty good at putting on a public face, like the Instagram version of themselves, that no one else feels the way that you do. But I think that what we've discovered is that most people that are in our age bracket, especially ones that have little kids, are all pretty hungry for real friendships, Mm -hmm. um, but sort of feel like, they might be the only ones that feel that way. And what we found is it's super important to take initiative with other people that are around your age, because if you don't take initiative, friendships aren't going to happen. Um, but when you do, you can really find rich relationships. It's just different than in college. You have to make it a priority or it doesn't happen. Yeah. And it makes parenting easier too. And I think um, having a relationship with a spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, etc., is it's not healthy for that to happen in a vacuum. We're going to eat dinner with friends tonight. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure at some point, one of us will say, hey, this happened with our kids this week. And it made us either feel crazy or like we were bad parents. And to have another couple that's around your age and going through the same thing say, oh, you're not crazy. I felt that exact same way. That's like great for our relationship. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to takeaway number seven, and it has to do with money. And what we've discovered is that money can really mess you up if you're not on the same page with it. 
And I would say we definitely were not on the same page when we got married. <laughs> yeah. If you read studies, they would say that um, like religion, money, and kids are three of the biggest things that can break up a relationship. And mm-hmm. so being on the same page with money has been awesome for us the more it's happened. Mm-hmm. But when it wasn't happening was really hard. Yeah. So I feel like the thing that's really helped us out um, and as we've progressed along and done this more and more has resulted in less and less fights about money is to try to be as intentional as we can about the way we spend our money. And a lot of that has come down to living on a budget, Mm -hmm. which I feel like so in a marriage, you generally have one person who's a spender and one person who's a saver. And I would say that in our marriage, I am I'm the saver, right? Duh. Yeah, 100 (laughs) percent. Um, so a lot of times when you think about a budget, you think, oh, well, the saver likes that, but the spender, like that's no good for the spender. But we actually have found that living on a budget hasn't been something that's been a constraint. It's actually been something that's allowed us to feel a little more freedom. And I think the place that maybe that comes to life more than anything else is in restaurant spending. So if we have a budget for restaurants then we can kind of make choices of where we're going to set ourselves up for success. Because if I go to a restaurant, like say we're on a date night, my ideal scenario is maybe we have an appetizer, we split an entree, we have a couple waters, and we're out for less than 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Phillip's Nothing sounds more romantic to me than All about that. cutting the corners on saving money. Like, I feel like saving money makes you really happy. It is. It's one of my <laughs> love languages. And to me, it feels like, oh, that's so boring. And my ideal would be two handcrafted cocktails and an appetizer and whatever entree you want, not considering money because it's a special night. And you even bring home leftovers. And I'm cringing a little bit even as you say that. But here's how the budget has helped us. So we set a budget for how much we're going to spend on restaurants every month. And maybe it's like $150. And the way that that's helped us is we know that we have $150 to spend on restaurants a month. So when we go out to eat and Katie orders more than I would want to order, I know that we've both agreed to only spend $150 that month. And so we're not going to go over that, which gives me the freedom to say, oh yeah, get whatever you want. It's a special night. And on Katie's end, she knows that we've agreed to only do $150 this month. So she knows that if it's gone, well, that probably means we just won't eat out anymore this month. So our eighth takeaway is thinking about kids. Mm. So some people have kids, some people don't. Some people maybe plan to have kids in the future. Some people have fur babies or fur bees. So what would and you treat s- them like children? What would you say about kids? Phillip? Like maybe they put the furby on a leash and walk it around, or put it in maybe a little bit of a stroller and give it a name. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> a dog stroller. Yeah, like a little dog stroller. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing a takeaway for us with kids is that it's really hard to make your life not totally revolve around your kids when you have kids because they can be so demanding. But I feel like good advice that we've consistently gotten through our marriage um, that's helped us out a lot is the understanding that the most important relationship in our family is our relationship with each other Mm -hmm. and that our marriage is more important than our parenting relationships. Because at the end of the day, 
our kids eventually are going to go off and have families of their own, and we're going to be left with each other. So if we don't tend to our relationship and make it a priority um, and let the kids become more important, then that's really going to hurt us and our family in the long run. Yeah. Because I would say in general, people's tendency is to like over parent and over prioritize their kids. All right, Katie, we're in the home stretch. Our final two takeaways. Takeaway number nine comes from a pastor that we like to listen to, this guy named Tim Keller. Um, And one of the things that he says about marriage is that marriage is more about making you holy than it is about making you happy. And I think this can is true regardless of what religious beliefs you subscribe to. Um, Just in that, I think that when we got married, both of us probably more than we would have admitted at the time, we're thinking about marriage sort of as like a self-fulfillment kind of thing. Like I'm going to be married and that's going to make me happier than I was when I was single. And while that has definitely been true, I think what's probably been more true is that marriage is like pretty hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, as two people who are really different have to figure out how to live one life together. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, marriage has been more about me becoming more the person that I should be and can be through the hard stuff than it has been about, oh, we get to be married and we're just like happy all the time. And the more that I've looked at marriage and appreciated our marriage as something that um, as as we've worked through the difficulties of it has made us both more the people that I think we were created to be, um, the better off I've been versus just being frustrated that I don't feel like happy all the time in it. So I think, like you're saying, Philip, if I hypothetically went into this marriage (laughs) thinking this is going to be like a silver bullet, I feel like sometimes you get like this vision of like, oh, you know, we're going to be running through fields of daisies together. Right. That's not the exact picture that I had when we got married. (laughs) Um, And it's just like you're going to solve all my problems by us getting married. Then when it doesn't look like that or days are hard, I'm more frustrated with you because I'm thinking this is going to like somehow just solve my problems when that's not the object of marriage, like you said. And if I see it more as marriage is a tool to shape me into the person I'm supposed to be, then... I mean, it allows us to appreciate each other more. Uh, Right. And not look at each other as like a tool to my happiness. Yeah, and not put unneeded expectations on each other. So number 10, to wrap up our 10 takeaways from 10 years of marriage tongue twister. Okay. So our last one is be your spouse's number one fan. I love that. Give me a K. You got your K. You got your K. Give me an A. Keep going. No, I'm not done. (laughs) So our thinking for this is marriage is hard. Life is hard. It's easy to get negative. It's easy to gossip. It's easy to think the worst about a person or assume the worst. And If you are thinking, I want to be my spouse's number one fan, that's good. Yes, that is good. (laughs) That's that's very good. That's right. I think that in marriage, you know your spouse more than anybody else does. And in some ways, like your words matter more than anybody else's words to your spouse. So you have the ability to either 
bring that person down more than anybody else mm-hmm. or bring that person up more than anybody else. And a lot of it, it's more, it's more of a choice than I think we recognize. Um, so if we just choose to be each other's biggest fan, that can do a lot to help us both become the people that we're supposed to be. Right. And now we're going to play a game called Marriage NBD or OMG, where we're going to present a situation one might find themselves in in a marriage and respond with either NBD, no big deal, or OMG, oh my gosh, this is a huge deal. (laughs) Katie, are you ready? I'm so ready. All right. Situation number one, you wake up in the morning to brush your teeth and you find a lot of toothpaste residue in the sink, not washed down the drain. So I'm going to go NBD. NBD, no big deal. In my house, that was not a big deal. So I feel like I sometimes personally accidentally leave a little bit of toothpaste on, not on the sink, but in the sink. And that's okay. (sighs) I am going to say OM. G, because if you're not going to wash your own toothpaste residue out of the sink, that is communicating you're expecting someone else to do it for you. It could just be done later. By down who? Down the road, like a, when, in the weekly cleaning. By a maid? By a winch? Do you have a toothpaste wiping out no, winch? No, just like once a week, just clean up the bathroom and wipe it out. So you want to leave a week's worth of toothpaste residue in the sink or just washed out when you think about it. When is that going to happen? No. Every time a person brushes their teeth, they ought to wipe out the toothpaste residue from the sink. So I'm going to say OMG. Okay. Situation number two. One is getting ready to go to bed at night. And as they get into bed, they realize, oh, these covers are all disheveled. The sheets are not in order. They are not tucked in. And they are not appropriately spaced over the bed. I say that is an OMG major. I like my sheets tucked in on the end of the bed and I want both layers lined up because you don't want like a sheet that's wrinkly and then like a lined up covering. You want your cover and your sheet lined up together. Yes. OMG. See, I've got to go NBD on that one. Part of the thing for me stems from I cannot lay on my back at night with my feet up in the air without them being uncovered. It makes it feel so constraining on my toes that I just can't fall asleep. It it makes me insane. So I have to have untucked sheets so that my feet can be exposed if I sleep on my back. And that leads to the covers getting a little bit disheveled. But... It's not a big deal to me. I feel like it's sort of like a creature comfort to have just a big mess of sheets and blankets that you just sort of wrap up in however you can. Mm, I find it unnerving. (laughs) All right. Situation number three. You purchase a half gallon of ice cream and a day later you go to get a little ice cream snack and find that there's only a spoonful or less of ice cream left in the container. I say that is OMG. Did we eat some of the ice cream together the day before? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming the day you bought it, everybody probably ate a little bit. But there was maybe three quarters of the half gallon left. Wait, so is there a spoonful left? 
at this point, though. When I open the freezer, there's a spoonful. There's only one spoonful I feel like it's offensive to me that you didn't just finish it and put it away. It is a major OMG because it's just a reminder taking up freezer space that you finished the ice cream but didn't really leave a portion of it. You know... I'm ashamed to say this, but I'm going to say OMG as well. Okay. Because. You're usually the offender on that, though. That's what I'm saying. And I carry a little bit of shame about it because I, it's humanly impossible for me to have ice cream in the house uneaten. Right. So I can count maybe on one hand the times in my life where there's been ice cream in the house that's been able to exist for longer than a day because I just eat it. Right. A spoonful here and a spoonful there. And next thing you know... One spoonful left. It's all gone. I buy ice cream and forget it's there because I don't open the freezer. And then when I go to look for it, spoonful left. That's right. Yeah. Mm, sad. All right. Situation number four. This is our final marriage situation. You get into your car only to find that there has been a mountain of trash left there. Food wrappers, papers to be discarded, maybe even food residue left inside. I guess it's an OMG, I would say. Yeah. You don't sound convinced. I know because I'm guilty of this a lot too. (laughs) So, because when I'm trying to get the kids in the house... They are, like, offended that I asked them to carry one thing in. So I'm carrying our four-year-old and, like, all of the belongings. So just stuff ends up in the car. So I say it's a... Did I say OMG already? I'm going to say it's a NBD because <laughs> life happens. Okay, so you just switched your answer. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying OMG. Okay. Because here's the thing. We have a very nice 2014 Honda Pilot, and it deserves to be treated with respect. I agree. It's just logistically it's hard. I just feel like, you know, you get out of the car and kids are no kids. You just sort of carry your trash along with you out the door so that the car can stay somewhat of a decluttered space. Yeah, but I usually do the grocery shopping too. There's a lot to bring in. There's a lot of things, Philip, And the kids usually go to the car with something also. So then they've brought an additional toy in the car. But then what about the um, little side cup full of pistachio nut shells? Well, you sometimes need a snack while you're driving. We're going to end today's show with What Do You Recommend? Where we make a recommendation of something that we like in the world. So, Katie, what do you recommend? So, I'm going to recommend actually two books because they're kind of a series. So, there's The Road Back to You and there's The Road Between Us, I think is what the second one's called. But as we mentioned earlier, the Enneagram has been a super helpful tool for us to understand each other better, to understand a lot of people better. Um, It kind of just gives you a guide for, or a map. I guess that's why it's called the road back to you. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, for just understanding people. So the road back to you is a great, just 
Enneagram primer, I would say, mm-hmm. how to familiarize yourself with it and how to figure out which number you are, because there are tests online, but they're not generally super accurate. The recommendation yeah. is to read about the types and figure out what you are from there. Or to, And I think the thing that was most helpful for us is read about the types and the one that makes you feel like, Oh, Ew. I think that's I don't me. feel great about that, but I think that's me. Right. It's probably the one that you are. Right. And the road between us, which I also will put a link to in the show notes, is more of a guide to how numbers interact. Because the Enneagram, you'll learn all about it because it's the best. Everybody's a number, basically. But so the road back to you, or excuse me, the second one is more relational based. So, Philip, what do you recommend? My recommendation this week is a podcast, if you like that sort of thing, which I hope you do since you're listening to us right now, but it's called Startup. And it follows a guy uh, who worked for This American Life and Planet Money, two other great podcasts, who decided he was going to start his own podcast company. And it tells the story of him starting this company. And there's a lot of stuff in it that's just sort of raw and real because he doesn't really know if the company is going to be successful or not. And it's just really interesting Hmm. to listen to. And it actually got turned into a show on ABC starring Zach Braff, the guy from Scrubs. Was this a while ago or recently? I think it was last fall. It was called Alex Inc. And I remember seeing commercials for it. And it's just about this, like, Zach Braff starts a podcast company and you're like, oh, man, that's sort of a weird thing to start a TV show about. But the show is based on this podcast it got canceled because it wasn't very good, I think. Yeah. But the podcast is really interesting to listen to. So again, it's called Startup. Um, Philip, I just Googled that TV show you mentioned, and it says usatoday.com. Um, Zach Braff's sitcom inspired by the podcast Startup is grating, annoying, and ignores all lessons of its source material. So maybe we wouldn't recommend Alex Inc. as much. I kind of just want to watch it just to see how bad it is. That's going to do it for this week's episode of One Delightful Podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would take the time to review this podcast if you haven't yet. I like a lot of podcasts, Philip, and I don't actually review them that often. But if you love this podcast and you just really quick on iTunes want to click five stars and maybe even leave some nice words, it's really encouraging to us and it helps people to find the podcast. Yeah, and if you want to find links to anything that we talked about on the podcast today, make sure and check out the show notes, which will take you to the blog post where you'll be able to find everything we talked about. And One Delightful Shop is open with our fall restock. If you want to check that out right now, OneDelightfulShop.com. Oh, and here's a little behind-the-scenes picture of what happens when we try to record our podcast. And then The Road Between Us is a follow-up book from that that is specifically about Carter. Remember yesterday I was pushing Allie? Yeah, but why? I thought you didn't want to talk about it. I just didn't want Daddy to be mad about it. Oh, I'm not mad about it.